If someone is five out of five, would you trust them for number six? Find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Everyone, you're watching Inverse. My name is Justin, and we're in the studio here with my friends, all male cast, actually, this episode around. And we are in the midst of a study on the book of Daniel. For those of you out there, if you want to study with us, go to inversebible.org, and you'll find a Bible study guide on other books of the Bible, other topics. But for this quarter, this 13-week segment, we are in the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on or open them to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to get into, from this episode onwards, we're going to look at the actual prophecies themselves. Before, we've been looking at the different characteristics that Daniel and his friends and his entourage all had. Uh, but we're looking at Daniel chapter 2, a classic, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful prophecy. We're going to have a word of prayer. Jonathan, can you pray for us? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we just thank you that you are a God who knows, who knows the future, and who chose to reveal things to us. And we just pray that as we study the word right now, that you will illuminate our minds and give us insights uh, and an understanding about who you are. Uh, and we just thank you that you will do that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I've really appreciated the the 13 weeks segment thus far because mm-hmm. we've been looking at different virtues, different characteristics. And what do you remember from uh, this quarter thus far, this, this, this study on Daniel? The importance of faithfulness in the little things. Faithfulness mm. in small little things, small mm-hmm. things. I, yes. I, I remember yes. the dying for devotion. Dying for devotions. Okay. I just love the idea of his consistency there. Yeah, getting mm-hmm. up to pray and speaking with God as a person. Yeah, I love the the lesson we had uh, in Daniel chapter 10 about um, being willing to wait on God and yeah. understanding that there is a blessing in the waiting. Okay, patience there mm-hmm. in, in, in the midst of the, the prayer waiting. Accountability. Accountability. Yes. We've got temperance. Uh, else? So many things. So many things. <laughs> right, well, also, you. radical <laughs> intervention with Radical Nebuchadnezzar. intervention, yeah. Chapter, chapter 4. That was actually a very good episode. episode. God pursuing yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to switch gears now and get into prophecy, and we're going to get maybe into a little bit of the nitty-gritty here. We're going to read the Bible, chapter 2, verse uh, 31. And Israel, can you read for us? You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its bellies and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. Then the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Okay, we'll stop there. And then, Sebastian, can you pick up in verse 36? 36. Sorry. Well, I got it. Electronic, medium, slower. That's the problem. And uh, (laughs) it's just not with it. Jonathan, can you pick it up for us? Sure. Sebastian is fired. (laughs) (laughs) This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. 
You are this head of gold. All right, we'll stop there. Okay, Sebastian, uh, uh, give us a background. What's going on here? So as we, as we looked back when we reviewed Daniel's prayer life, we saw that was in the context of Nebuchadnezzar receiving a dream. Yes. Now that Daniel prayed, God answered it, gave them in a, in a night vision, this is the dream. Now Daniel is actually giving it to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. And so what we're seeing is that God is outlining the course of human history in the major kingdoms of the world from Nebuchadnezzar's time. Mm-hmm. Because remember we read in chapter 2, verse 28, that he says, but there's a God in heaven that reveals his secrets. Mm-hmm. And he's showing you, O king, the things that will be in the latter time. Mm-hmm. So now we're getting into this prophetic outline of after you is going to be another kingdom and then another kingdom and another. So we see four and then we see kind of the, the fourth kingdom splits mm-hmm. into ten different pieces. It's not conquered by a new metal mm-hmm. um, as a result. Okay, not technically, I mean, 10 pieces later, us in a different prophecy, with, the, yes. with a, but, uh, okay, 10 toes. We'll 10 toes, that. yes, yes, uh, yes. The Bible actually never says that, but we'll, we'll, we can Correct. extrapolate that. Israel? Yes. Here he's saying, I think, in, <laughs> the, the first thing that we're, that is mentioned about this prophecy and in, in its interpretation is that the prophecy involves King Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. He says, you are the head of gold. Right. And so I think the principle that we can draw from this is the fact that prophecy is designed to be taken personally. Mm-hmm. And and the purpose of prophecy is to to allow us to reflect our to serve as a mirror. This is how I fit into the grand scheme of things here. God is going to talk about really as Sebastian already said the history of the world from Nebuchadnezzar's time until the end. Mm-hmm. But God is saying this starts or this impacts or this has to do with you personally, not just the kingdom of Babylon, mm-hmm. but you are the head of gold. I love there's a dual fold uh, revelation here. It's mm-hmm. not just the interpretation of the dream, but it's also exactly what you saw, yeah. uh, what he saw, I should say. And he starts off both sections in verse 31 and in verse 37. You, O king, were our, our king or were watching. He starts it off two two different sections. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one one time late night I was watching TV. Uh, I was come back after a flight, and I had my old, you know, cathode cathode ray tube TV, and I'm like, I couldn't go to sleep, so I'm watching some stuff late night, and it's this prophecy show comes up, and so I'm like, hey, let's let's watch this. This is like, you know, I, I had enough of the infomercials and you know the yeah. the knifeomatic and whatever, right. whatever, and this joke, and it was, this guy was breaking down. Uh, Revelation and Daniel, and he was spe- specifically Daniel chapter two, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, there's a head of gold, right?" And he's like, "Well, what country is this head of gold?" Well, it's clearly South Africa, mm-hmm. because South Africa had produced all this gold back in the day, and <laughs> oh, then wow. the country that con- conquered South Africa is silver. Well, who, who who produces the most silver in the world? I mean, all these things. So, my point is this. It's easy just to make an interpretation of events without any bearing, any whatever, mm-hmm. just yeah. imposing an interpretation. Yes. But here, Daniel's giving what he actually saw, which no human being could do, mm-hmm. and also giving an interpretation and matching those up. Which yeah. is so significant because it lets you know prophetically that God is not... The fact that God has divided the, the dream from the interpreter, mm-hmm. it gives you a sense that God is trying to affirm Daniel's position in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, mm-hmm. right? So God could have given Nebuchadnezzar the dream and the interpretation, and he forgot both. Yeah. But he decided, I'm just going to give you the dream. He doesn't remember it. Mm-hmm. But even if he did remember the dream, which we saw in chapter 4, right, he knows this is exactly what it was. He sees it, but he can't interpret it. Mm-hmm. And even with his grandson, it's writing on the wall, and he can't even interpret mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. God consistently says, I'm going to bring the interpretation, the meaning, 
through my people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's significant, that we allow God to interpret the very dreams and visions and revelations that he provides. I think it's a huge point that the Bible interprets itself. And you see the prophecy here in one part, and then it gives the explanation afterwards. We're not making stuff up. This isn't some fabricated thing. Um, And there's a point to this. So in the actual prophecy itself, in verse 32, you see a head of gold. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just to recap and get it it visually in our minds, we have chest and arms of Silver. silver, a belly and thighs of bronze and legs of iron let's just pause there these are all four medals what 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 is the why those four medals what's the implication there jonathan well, listen interesting if you look at the medals it starts with gold which is the 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 metal that has the most value of all of them and then silver is pretty valuable too but not as much as gold and then you see the value decreases as you go down the line but at the same time the strength of the metal becomes stronger. Gold is very soft uh, compared to silver and bronze and, and iron and so on. So uh, it, there you have an increase, in, uh, an increase in strength, a decrease in value as you go down uh, and, those metals. And if you look out historically, a lot of those metals as you progress in the time were more often used in combat. Mm-hmm. Right? You right. weren't, like the Medes and Persians didn't use silver for weapons, mm-hmm. but it was for mainly, you know, merchant in trading and things mm-hmm. like that. And Babylon used gold for decorative reasons and for the glory, obviously we saw with Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. When you get to the the bronze and the and the um, iron, that mm-hmm. was oftentimes used in combat because of its strength. Mm-hmm. So we see more militaristic advances in that type of nation that would use that metal mm-hmm. is also present. Okay. So as we transition from iron, then it goes into feet. Uh, no toes are mentioned, but we can extrapolate this fashion. <laughs> toes are no, there. To- toes are mentioned. Uh, toes. There's 42. So 42. And the toes of the feet. Oh, you are. I, you should, yeah. I am corrected, but not 10 toes. It just mentions toes. <laughs> uh, so the number is not we don't mentioned. Know. So Sebastian, we don't know if the, be- if the image had 10 toes. Maybe it was like Goliath had 12 legs. toes. We don't know. We don't know. But you have iron and clay there. And then we have another entity. You have a stone in verse 34. Mm. And this is where the accent is really placed in. Yes. In verse 34, a stone was cut without hands, and it struck the image not on the other parts, but specifically where? On the feet. On the feet, okay? And it broke them into the pieces. So, um, we can continue with 35, just to accentuate what you already read, uh, but the iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold, they were all crushed together. Mm -hmm. So they continue Mm -hmm. to exist in some way, Mm -hmm. uh, but they all are eliminated at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, The interpretation is found in verse 36 onwards. We already already read the first part, that Babylon, or King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, is equivalent to gold. Gold. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now let's continue reading there in verse 39. Israel, can you read for us? But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Okay, and this correlates back to Jonathan's comment. It's getting inferior in terms of the value of the metal. Very good. Verse 40. Continue, please. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and Mm. crush all the others. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. Mm -hmm. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. And in these days, sorry, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, Mm. and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. 
It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Verse 45, please. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Okay, well, who are these kingdoms? I, I mean, I'm, this, is a, this is an exciting part. When we come back after the break, we're going to look at what is the silver, what is the bronze, what is the clay and the iron, and what is this rock that comes out of the sky? We need to know this information for the future. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, we're in Daniel chapter 2. We're looking at this metal man, metallic man, metalloid man, metallurgic man. <laughs> All right, let's go to silver, silver. Um, we can, now that we've established mm -hmm. the gold, we can kind of just yeah. kind of place it, put, put it in automatic and see how history has, has mm -hmm. gone forward. So who is this silver? It's really interesting because uh, this is one of those times where you can uh, just take a history book mm. and compare it with the Bible. Uh, when you look at, we know Babylon re is represented as gold. Well, what does history tell us? Babylon was overthrown, even in the book of Daniel, we're told, by the Medo-Persian Empire. And so the Medo-Persians came, that is what represented with silver. The Medo-Persians were overthrown by the Greek. Um, so you have uh, bronze represented uh, Greece. And then Greece was, um, you know, split up and was overthrown by uh, the, the Romans, Romans mm -hmm. which is represented by iron, which is very fitting because they crushed everything that came the in their way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. And then we look at uh, Rome, we see all this progression, and you would think, well, what's the next kingdom that comes? Mm -hmm. When you look at history, Rome was never really overthrown. It kind of fell apart, yes. and there was no other big kingdom that took over. We, we know that it, you know, it... You had different tribes coming into Europe, and uh, it ended up in the modern nations that we have in Europe today. Mm -hmm. So Bible history, uh, I mean Bible prophecy, really confirms history for us right here in the book of Daniel chapter mm -hmm. 2. Mm -hmm. What's amazing and what strikes me is that when, when uh, God is telling this prophecy to King Nebuchadnezzar, to me what, what, what strikes me the most is the fact that he says, you, you, O king, are the head of gold, mm -hmm. but you're going to be overthrown by someone who is inferior to you. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is something that would not make any sense. Like, all right, if I'm going to be overthrown, I should be overthrown by someone that is stronger than me. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that, that the prophecy dictates there, you're going to be overthrown by an inferior kingdom. How can This is where, the, the, to me, the power and the wisdom of God really shines in that he says, you'll be overthrown by a weaker kingdom. Mm -hmm. Something that seems impossible is going to happen to you. And, you know, that's, you know, the way that Rome was set up. It was set up so that it can withstand a siege and it can, you know, last forever. And yet, you mean Babylon? seemingly, yeah, uh, Babylon. what did I say, Rome? Rome, yeah. yeah. Uh, Babylon, yeah. <laughs> no one Rome. Why were you saying yes then? Why were you encouraging me in error? No, so, uh, so you have, you know, the Babylonian Empire, it's, it's set up to withstand a siege, and yet, it's overthrown through such a, 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 a seemingly insignificant mistake, right? Yeah. The Medo-Persian Empire takes it over. So the, the power of the prophecy is demonstrated to me in the fact that God says, not only are you going to be overthrown, but you're going to be overthrown mm -hmm. by a seemingly, in a seemingly impossible manner. 
by a by a, a kingdom that is inferior mm. uh, inferior to you. And Apple. perhaps that's the reason why Nebuchadnezzar freaked out yeah. and created this image full of, of not of silver, da, 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 but just only of gold. Mm-hmm. And the, the political implications saying, my kingdom will be forever. Uh, go to verse 42. It says there that the toes of feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. The kingdom might be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw, iron mixed with ceramic clay. What is this ceramic clay mixed with iron? Mm. Um, some have uh, said that this is all the European nations coming together. Mm-hmm. You do a Bible study, and, and if you get, uh, go to Concordance and look up that word for clay, and that clay always has a religious connotation. Yes. Mm. So you have a religious power that's not as strong, it's not a militaristic power, but you have a political power, and you got a mixing. You do have the mixing of the European nations, but mm-hmm. you also have the mixing of religion going on. You yes. also have a hodgepodge stew of European mess, yeah? <laughs> yes. And this we have a representative of Europe here with us, to give us an insight onto... I come in peace. I do come in peace. Um, And so we see that in Europe today, we have Roman Catholicism has has been embedded into the history of many European nations. Mm -hmm. You have the Holy Roman Empire. You have... uh, Mm -hmm. We're talking about the system of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see this predicted thousands of years before it actually Mm. happens. And it's kind of powerful because when when you look back in... Verse 41, where it says, whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay. Mm -hmm. So this clay is not just clay on the ground. It's clay that has a potter. That means there's someone that has an intention to form this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the clear hallmarks of Jeremiah's prophecy, where he tells a story of God's people about how, can Mm -hmm. I not do with you as this potter does with this clay? Mm -hmm. And also in Isaiah, right? I am the potter. You are the clay, right? Mm -hmm. And your role is to surrender and to not resist the movements of God in his providence or in his hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And that the beauty of this is um, when identifying Jesus or God as a potter makes him this individual where we know that he has gentle hands, Mm -hmm. right? The way that he's moving religious people, the way that he's trying to shape them and form them, he's not trying to crush out. Mm-hmm. His people, even though he's allowing these powerful kingdoms to arise, mm-hmm. he's still allowing his people to preserve yeah. and individuals that are seeking him. Yeah. So it goes to show you that even behind all of this, God is still there looking out for his people during the mm-hmm. progression of these kingdoms. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we can stop there. And so uh, with, the, with the prophecy, what, what are some, some, what's the fruit of this thus far? I mean, what can we mm-hmm. extrapolate from why did God reveal up to this much? Mm-hmm. Uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. What is shown in Daniel is also consistent with the rest of Scripture leading up to Daniel. Mm-hmm. Like if you, look at, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, Sebastian actually did the study for, that I never forgot a long time ago on Genesis chapter 1, just looking at the actions of God at creation and what they show about him. And in Genesis chapter 1, I'll tie it into this in a little bit, don't get scared, is that, is that um, the, the faithfulness of God is demonstrated there. When he creates mm-hmm. the universe, he creates the trees, and he creates fruits with the ability to reproduce more trees of the same kind. That's showing the faithfulness of God. God, in his word, can say one thing, and to this day you don't have an apple tree that produces 100 apples and one banana, mm-hmm. right? It's 100% consistency. And so in Daniel chapter 2, you have also the same idea, the consistency of God. God says, you're going to be uh, overthrown by this kingdom, by another kingdom, by another kingdom, by another kingdom, then it's going to be divided. That's exactly what has happened in history to the very minute detail of these kingdoms are going to be stronger in some senses, but also are going to seem as though they are inferior kingdoms. So what prophecy tells me more than the fact that, um, you know, I need, to, I need to be ready for when these events come. It tells me about the faithfulness of God. Mm. God, is, God is careful 
to, to think about even the smallest details. And why is this important to me? It's important to me because I know now that nothing catches God off, God off guard. Mm -hmm. So I think like, man, what if God doesn't know that I'm too weak to withstand the challenges in the future? God has taken into consideration every aspect of history mm -hmm. and has prepared me to live in this time in this point in earth's history because he has confidence in mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm part of the scripture. He's setting the foundation for yeah. trust here between mm -hmm. two, two parties. Yeah. Exactly. Relationship. Yes. And I think that's the beauty of what this prophecy provides because this prophecy was actually the very first Bible study I ever had. Mm -hmm. um, and this was critical and foundational to my conversion mm -hmm. because it builds a, a, a track record with God. It builds a sense of trust that, well, and this is where I went home when I received this Bible study in college as an atheist. I'm sitting in my room and I'm like, well, if he said this and this is exactly what happened. And I knew as an atheist that historically these things are true. You can't mm -hmm. debate them. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, well, if he said that, then the rest of the book has to be trustworthy. Yeah. And, and Jesus said, you know, I tell you things beforehand so that when it comes to pass, you might believe. Yeah. No, I like what you said here. The, it starts off in chapter 2. So if chapter 2 is sure then the mm -hmm. trust factor goes throughout the book yeah. of Daniel. That's yes. He's establishing the, the, games of the, uh, the rules of the game here. Right. Jonathan. I want to just read here from Isaiah, if it's okay. Isaiah yeah, 46. Isaiah, mm -hmm. Isaiah 46, uh, starting in verse 9 and verse 10. Isaiah 46. Go for it. Uh, it says here, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. Mm -hmm. I am God and there is none like me. Mm -hmm. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God is showing us that through prophecy, He is establishing, uh, he is establishing His declaration that He is God yeah, yeah, yeah. because only He can know uh, the end from the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the beauty is He reveals it to us. He's not just doing His own thing. He says, I want you to be in on yeah. this. Well, let's get to the beginning. Uh, let's go to the end, I should say, sure. because this is where the apex of the, the prophecy is going. Mm -hmm. In verse 44, in the days of these kings, mm. the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, mm -hmm. and the kingdom shall be left. Uh, kingdom shall not be left to other people. Perhaps this is the phrase that freaked Nebuchadnezzar out. Yeah. You know, an enduring kingdom. Right. Um, what give us characteristics? Uh, we already read the passage. What is the characteristics of this kingdom? What is it? What are elements about it? There's different uh, uh, descriptions about it. What does that allude to? Well, one of the first things you see is when he gives the dream, he says, there's a rock cut out of a mountain without hands. Yes. Mm -hmm. And without hands is a phrase throughout the Bible that's always associating where human devising has nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, how does a rock get cut out of a mountain without hands? So this is not a human civilization. Correct. This is a divine kingdom. Mm -hmm. So that means that God is the one that's taking this, this rock, which we believe to be a symbol of Christ coming to set up that kingdom. Mm -hmm. He is that rock. We find that in Deuteronomy. We find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, mm -hmm. that this rock that followed them was Christ. Mm -hmm. And this rock that's cut out, that's divinely set in, is going to impact this thing and begin to set up his entire kingdom. Mm -hmm. So one of the elements we see is one, it's divinely devised. And number two, it's going to start small and it's going to spread and to grow mm -hmm. over time. So even as it takes over this kingdom, it's not becoming a mountain right away. It starts off as a rock. It hits the, in, in the dream, it hits it on the feet, and then it grows and consumes the entire earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. All the other previous kingdoms are destroyed mm -hmm. at this moment. So it's, as, as you said, it's small and it grows. Mm -hmm. uh, but some have said, hey, this is when Jesus came the first time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he came in the time of Rome, and then the, the church has grown. This, this rock is the church. Mm -hmm. Is this rock the church? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jonathan. 
No, I mean, uh, you kind of alluded to it, that throughout Scripture, Christ is uh, identified as the rock that, ha that is, the, you know, the rock of ages. Yes. He is the one that comes and will consume all these kingdoms. Uh, and Jesus himself says, I am coming back. Mm -hmm. I will return. Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the New Testament, we have numerous scriptures pointing to the second coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, because Jesus knows that to bring an end to this world of sin, things have to be completely redone. Mm -hmm. God yes. has to restore everything in, into, a, into a new paradise. So He will come back and He will make all things new. Yes, yes. There are these phrases here, and I just want to emphasize that it says in verse 35 that no trace of these former kingdoms That's right. was found. Yes. Uh, in verse 45, uh, verse 44, uh, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. Yes. It shall stand forever. Mm -hmm. So this isn't the church. Mm -hmm. This is a supernatural, as we mentioned, a supernatural kingdom coming and then all the and, previous And you know, are. one of the things that gets me excited about this is that this kingdom is not a metal. Mm -hmm. which means it's not built upon the same principles as these other yes. kingdoms. Mm -hmm. They conquered by militaristic outward control and dominance yes. versus the, the kingdom of Christ actually conquers through the heart, through this internal, natural, organic growth. What are the practical things we can get away from this chapter? What's the takeaway, mm -hmm. Israel? That the Word of God is trustworthy. Trust the Bible. Mm -hmm. yes. and, and, and trust the God of the Bible. Yes. Right? He's in control not just of history, but he's controlled. He's in control also of my place in his. So if he knows these macro things, he can help yeah. us with our micro, where who who we are. There's nothing that God is not aware of. That means, as you said, we can fully trust him. We can trust in his word. If this is true, the rest must be true. I mean, this is really the uh, I, prophecy gives you the foundation for your identity in Christ, for faith, uh, for believing the truths of the Bible. But then also, uh, you know, if we had that alone. That would be one thing. Okay, God is all-powerful, all-knowing. But the Bible also reveals to us that God is love. That, you know, if He's all-powerful and all-knowing, that can be a scary thought, but He is on our side. That's why He has revealed this to us. That's why He's saying, hey, be part of that kingdom. Mm -hmm. Be part of, of yeah. when I come back. And mm -hmm. the only thing that I would add practically from this is it goes back to Daniel 5 where Belshazzar told Daniel, he said, oh, if you interpret this, I'll make you the third ruler in the kingdom. <laughs> and it's like, who wants to be the third ruler of a kingdom that's about to crumble? Right? <laughs> so it tells me that I need to check my worldly aspirations mm -hmm. at Jesus' feet. Mm -hmm. I need to recognize mm -hmm. that his kingdom's going to last forever and ascending into greatness of the kingdoms of this world right. is going to crumble. So why would you want to be the third ruler or a billionaire or some influential person mm -hmm. in a kingdom that's going to be destroyed? And on that line, on that kingdom to be destroyed, where are we on this timeline? We're in the, the toenails. We're in the toes, okay? That's right. It doesn't say toenails. Toenails. doesn't say toes. Toes all have toenails. So God is five <laughs> for five. He has, we see in history that he's predicted all five kingdoms, and the sixth is coming up. And if he's right on the five, we can bank that he'll be right on the sixth. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, by, through this study, you've been enlightened uh, with Bible prophecy, but also you've had a more secure relationship in trusting the Bible and the God of this Bible and become a better student in Bible prophecy as well. I know for myself, I want to I wait for this, this rock to come out of the sky, Jesus, yes. and, and to set up his kingdom forever. And hopefully that's your hope as well. Thanks for joining us here on Inverse. We'll see you next week. We'll do this all over again. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. 
Find us on social media, hashtag InverseBible. Until next time, this is Inverse.